Fred's Front Porch Podcast is made possible by the generous support of Jenner Zeno of Studio Stargazer, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, Edith Keeler, and listeners like you. Greetings, fellow traveler on this rock tumbling through space. I'm Fred. This is my front porch. Come on up, have a seat, and let's talk a while. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed-together boards. Star Trek Autism, Me, and You. The world is brimming with evil. There are racists and rapists. There is torture and child sex trafficking. Some have been abused by the people who are supposed to be protecting them. People are hated for entirely irrational reasons. Prejudice and injustice can be found anywhere you look. Corruption is commonplace. I recognize these facts, and in no way do I wish to minimize them. To the incredibly limited extent that I can, I would like to change those situations. I would like to create a just, verdant world filled with love and devoid of evil and hatred. I am not, however, God. I can't simply will those conditions into the Twilight Zone's cornfield. Should I be angry about them? Is it an example of my privilege that I don't need to spend my every waking moment being miserable? Am I supposed to apologize because my parents loved me? I've never been raped, and I haven't been targeted for abuse because of the color of my skin, my gender, or my sexuality. If so, that's fine. I apologize for having had a better life than many other people. Does that change anything we need to change? Was one less person abused now? If not, perhaps... I need to focus on other solutions. I spend too much of my life with people who are angry about evil. They seek it out and get angry about it. They seem to find a sense of superiority in that anger. The more angry they are, the better people they become, and the worse person I become for not dwelling in their pit of despair. They spend countless hours discussing the ugliness of the world. They appear to enjoy it. And that's not to say there's something necessarily wrong with it. I'm beginning to suspect my inability to understand righteous rage is evidence there is something wrong with me. It may all be caused by something I am beginning to learn about myself. 
I believe I may process emotions differently than many other people. A few people have tossed around the idea that I may be somewhere on the autism spectrum. I watched a Star Trek fan video a couple of weeks ago that began to bring this idea into focus. It explained that many of the characters in Star Trek are, at least, what is called neurodivergent. They may actually be on the autism spectrum. The link to the video is in the show notes. I have loved Star Trek since I was six years old. It has followed me through every phase of my life. As a child, I wanted to be Captain Kirk. But when we played, I was much better at being Spock. I pretended this was because I was so smart. I've sold people on the idea that I'm intelligent all my life. I sold myself on that idea. But the reality is, I'm not all that smart. I've read some good books, but many people have read more than I have. I have some good ideas, but many people have better ones. I have an elementary understanding of history and philosophy. Many people have a much deeper understanding. I'm simply not all that smart. My identification with Spock wasn't with his intelligence as I always pretended. In high school, I felt Spock's inability to fit into the world in which he found himself. Neither Spock nor I could ever really understand human emotions. If you hang around for 40 years or so, you'll see both of us learned to do better. Neither of us will ever arrive, however, at the place most of you appear to inhabit almost all the time. Most of the time I can predict, based on decades of observation, how someone is going to react in a given situation. I use what is essentially a set of algorithms I've been developing since high school. If someone has a particular expression on her face, it equals a particular feeling. Then I conduct a sort of system scan to recall that feeling, I remember my reaction to it, and I make a decent guess as to what reaction to expect and how to handle it for everyone's benefit. It's something like an AI. It's a program. And even in version 58.0, it still has bugs. I'm still unable to predict reactions to what I say. I infuriated a friend a couple of weeks ago by saying that a Google search is not the same as actual research. I was shocked by her anger. I still don't understand it, and I've thought quite a bit about it since then. This may be a result of something off in my brain chemistry. I'm learning the word neurodivergent. I'm Googling it, though, not actually researching. The definition is as follows. Differing in mental or neurological function from what is considered typical or normal. 
frequently used with reference to autistic spectrum disorders. Not neurotypical. I feel great empathy for not only Spock, but Mr. Data too. As an android, he is incapable of experiencing emotions. When he finally gets them, they overload his system. I have emotions, I'm certain. I often feel them very deeply. They overwhelm me. I draw entirely inside myself. In July of this year, I wound up sitting on the grass a couple hundred yards from my home because I exploded. I was physically shaking. I needed to be isolated from the world. I couldn't tolerate another nanosecond of the presence of other human beings. People in person, you see, scare the hell out of me. They have become increasingly frightening as I've grown older. They seem to have expectations I can never meet. I never look good enough. I can't. I move in all the wrong ways. My shoulders move almost involuntarily as I pop them to stop the aching. I don't smell good anymore. People often stare, and not in a good way. I feel safer alone on my starship, sitting behind my microphone to share my ideas with you. You can't see me and observe my endless flaws. When I do live video podcasts, I have a hard limit of one hour. After that, I have to leave. I'm doing my best, but that's all I can take. This may explain why I'm so confused by those who spend so much time finding more reasons to be angry. Being angry is unpleasant. It's a burning feeling. It's not the warmth of a genuine hug. It's the beginning of what I'm sure Rose experiences in Only Through Fire. You can hear the complete play uninterrupted on Patreon. We interrupt this podcast for an important announcement. Happy holidays! Also, Merry Christmas. Nope, it's not against the law to say that. There really is no war on those two words. I hope you find the means to enjoy whatever holidays you choose to celebrate and that you find love, acceptance, joy, and a sense of belonging as 2020 comes to a close. Lots of people believe in lots of holidays. Some of us have elfness, some of us have mouseness, and some of you probably have your own holidays too. We're keeping this brief because I have an entire episode devoted to asking for your help. Play Little Light of Mine the season of giving to hear the entire appeal. I would love for you to support me on Patreon. It's among the best gifts I could possibly receive. I still don't have a patron saint, unless you count Jenner who bought me a starship. Head over to Patreon and make a difference. And now, 
back to our episode already in progress. I can recognize anger. I don't understand wanting to feel it so often. I always assume all of the rest of you are as uncomfortable with feeling hatred as I am. I'm beginning to question that assumption. I may be mistaken in that belief. I believe all of us want to feel emotions. They give our lives a richness and texture we would otherwise lack. I love my feelings and I actively seek them out. For the most part, I find them in art with a lovely, inclusive capital A. I mean music, prose, poetry, plays, movies, dance, and painting. The things Robin Williams tells us we stay alive for in Dead Poet Society. They create catharsis that sets off my emotions. I tear up whenever I try to read Emily Webb saying, Goodbye. Goodbye, world. Goodbye, Grover's Corners. Mama and Papa. Goodbye to clocks ticking. And Mama's sunflower. And food. And coffee. And new iron dresses and hot baths and sleeping and waking up old. Earth, you're too wonderful for anybody to realize you. I didn't tear up. Aren't you impressed? <clears throat> I helped create art that does these same things, at least for me. I hope it does for you, too. It seems to have done so for quite a few people. A bigger table has been played as of 3.02 a.m. on December 10, 2020, 157 times on my Patreon. It shattered all previous records. Eliza's final lines never fail to make me weep. When Sarah Nimitz dedicated my favorite hymn, Shine, to me last February, and when she sang an a cappella version of On Your Way for Me several weeks ago, I was nearly dehydrated from the tears that went streaming down my face like water over Niagara. The people in the pit of despair seemed to prefer their feelings to be activated by ugliness. I prefer beauty. So, perhaps I am out of touch with normal people because I have fewer reactions to reality. It's been over a decade since I wept over a woman. I've been divorced twice, and I could never find a single tear to shed. I loved them both, but I couldn't feel it deeply enough to... what? Experience catharsis? I don't know. I cried last over reality, on June 14, 2019, when my dog Melanie died. When people are angry with me or at me, I rarely understand why. In short, I still don't understand human emotions. I don't always understand my own. 
interestingly, when my female friends are having problems with their boyfriends, I tend to be the first one they call. I almost never deal with it as an emotional problem. I see it as a logical puzzle. I search for cause and effect, deduce the behavior most likely to produce the desired outcome, recommend that behavior, and then observe as they listen very nicely, then go out and do precisely what they want, bringing about easily predictable disaster. I am entirely unable to understand why. I expect they are feeling emotions I cannot comprehend. So what's the point of recording this? First, writing is a good means of understanding myself. Putting things on paper allows me to observe them more objectively. I have written more than a few letters to people explaining, logically, how they hurt me. Such letters have never produced the desired results. It seems most of the world feels emotions I don't comprehend and they feel them for reasons beyond my ability to grasp. That understanding is helpful. Next, sharing it with you is an effort to connect with other Datas and Spocks and Barclays. Now, if you're not a serious Star Trek fan, you probably don't know Reginald Barkley. He was an engineer on Star Trek The Next Generation who was secretly called Ensign Broccoli by his crewmates. He was always nervous. He often stuttered or was unable to speak in front of others. He created elaborate fantasy worlds in which he was accepted, respected, and even revered. I envied him. If I had access to a holodeck, I would do the same thing. Barkley stutters for me. We're both terrified of all of you. I construct my fantasies into stories and plays. I don't have a holodeck, but I have a nicely working computer, and it allows me to create what I believe is powerful art. Did I ever mention that I'm an arrogant bastard? Hi, I'm Fred, nice to meet you. I produce the art well enough that complete strangers are willing to work with me to bring my dreams to life. Do you have any clue what an honor that is? It's the idea that someone believes in me, or in my ideas, or in my writing, or in something, and together, we create something new and beautiful. We offer it to everyone, including those in the pit of despair. We offer emotions we hope are more pleasant. It's our effort to shine. Finally, I'm sharing this with you in case you happen to be someone rejected by the world. I want you to know about you what I'm discovering about me. We're not bad. We're not stupid. We're not less than. We're simply different.
and we're not quite so alone in the world as we thought we were. I'm okay with being different. If you want to name that difference autism or Asperger's or neurodivergent in some way, or if you want to call it just being an asshole, I'm okay with that too. I have no relevant medical or social knowledge on that. I like Fred. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. But why wonder? Why wonder? I'm green, and it'll do fine. It's beautiful. I think it's what I want to be. Joseph G. Raposo. You're beautiful too. Know that. And then find your own way to shine. If you feel like you need it, let me help. I love you. From the tug of war, all the everyday troubles and struggles. I know this little park bench from that you can stare up at the birds in their nests or just watch the people passing by too fast. Sometimes you gotta slow down and jump in the puddles. Gotta, gotta get, gotta get my feet wet. Wanna look up tight, I'm looking back. Keep my head still, keep my keep my heart still so high. Oh, somewhere there's a story.
I have some special gratitudes this week, and I'm going to begin with those. I won't use their names because I don't have permission, but I hope they are able to recognize themselves. Someone I've known for more than 40 years who doesn't, to my knowledge, ever listen to this show, became an unofficial patron saint this week. She and her husband sent me $100 to help me buy groceries and continue living. I won't name them, but they know who they are. Thank you so much. A second person did the same thing. I don't have permission to name her either, but she made a huge difference to me. My gratitude is endless. It allowed me to continue a while longer. A friend sent me money for soda. She does listen to this show from time to time, although she's a very recent listener, and she knows who she is. Thank you. Soda is essential to the production of this show. Caffeine withdrawals are incredibly painful. You made a difference. Thank you. Another supporter, who is a Patreon contributor, whose name you will hear presently, sent me $10 for Christmas. I used it to do something we both love. I'll be enjoying a show with him on December 19. Another supporter of this show sent me $20. It went to groceries, and I'm very fond of food. I don't have permission to name her either, but thank you. You know who you are. One of my heroes who is doing a show of her own on December 19, and just on her own podcast, made me shed tears when she sent me $20 and a lovely note. Sending some love while you valiantly face tough times. Wish it could be more. You may be able to discover her identity if you're remotely inquisitive, but I'm not revealing it. To that person, thank you so much. That money went to the same show I will be seeing on December 19. It's one of my most powerful sources of joy. I'm so lucky to have it in my life. A friend who recently moved from Arizona to Minnesota sent me a lovely Christmas card that contained some much needed cash. Thank you for that. And finally, another friend of over 40 years whose name you will hear in a few moments sent me $25 for dinner. I will spend it on that. I'll order some delivery food tomorrow. I can't thank you enough for that. There are only so many frozen burritos a man can eat. This week, I picked up three brand new supporters on Patreon. Thank you to Ursula Phillips, who is among the kindest people I have ever met. Chris Donnelly, with whom I once taught and produced musicals in Maine. The man is an incredible music teacher. And... Corey Pluart, who is an excellent musician I had the honor to meet in better times. The list of people who help make this possible is growing all the time. I'm indebted to many people who are alive on this planet at the same time we are. These people are as follows. Jenner Zeno of Studio Stargazer, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, and Edith Keeler. 
Joe March, Kevin Boyce, Zareth, and Utopia42. And I'm thrilled to welcome Sherlock the Mystery Patron back to this group. Thank you for increasing your support. It means so much to me. Laura Engram, Linda M. Crotta, Elizabeth Bennett, The Mind Wave Podcast, to which you should listen often, Michelle Freeman, Scott Shelby, Virginia Rupert, and Jesse Rogers. Our latest addition to this group is Jake Johnson. Thanks for helping me out, Jake. It matters more than you know. Corey, Christopher Hitchens' friend, Natalie Fredrickson, Chuck Curry, and Mark Rosma, who increased his support this week. Thank you, Mark. Christine L. Patterson and David Miller, Pavel Shabayev, Claude Lansden, and John G. Jereen Elkins, Lori Shea, Cindy Mandel, Corey, again, Zara, Michael J. Clark, Stacy Height, Piper K. Young, Carrie DeDeo, Daniel H., and John Donovan. I'm truly grateful to each and every one of you. I'm also going to brag once more about having an actual internationally known artist as a supporter on Patreon. Sarah Nimitz, about whom I did an entire episode on March the 3rd of this utterly absurd year. You should listen to it if you don't know who she is. And if you don't know who she is, you will be happy you do now. Supports this show. Don't you want to be like Sarah Nimitz? Go listen to her album 2020. It's everything these last 365 days weren't. For now, we'll remain a small but hopeful community, trying our best to spread love, kindness, empathy, and compassion for all throughout the world. Thank you for helping me to shine. And thank you for shining with me. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll come visit the porch again soon. Until then, look for all the episodes on your favorite podcast app. We're on just about all of them now. Take care of yourself and each other.